Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is Friday, the 24th of March, 2023. I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thank you so much for including me in your day today. I count it a, a privilege. Um, I mean, I know that your time is literally precious. It's the one thing that we don't get any more of. And so um, how we spend it really matters. And so thank you so much for spending this time, um, that valuable resource that you can only spend once. Um, Thank you for spending it with me today. Um, I'm privileged to spend my time with you. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day um, comes from Revelation chapter 21, and it's verse 4. And as we read this, I want you to consider um, that God knows the end from the beginning. He is the author of life. He is the author of salvation. Um, And he's already written the end of the story. So if you've ever wondered, is this actually headed, all of this that I'm enduring and experiencing and know about, is it all headed to a happily ever after ending? You can know the end from the beginning as well. So Revelation 21 verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Um, Death is real. Sorrow is real. Pain is real. There are lots of reasons to cry today. But today's not the end of the story. Today's not the end of your story, and today is certainly not the end of history, his story. So today, as you encounter Lots of people with lots of reasons to be sorrowful or crying or those who are in pain or dealing with the reality of death. Let us also be people who consider the plans of God. Consider this redemptive promise of God. Um, Let's be sure we consider God. There is a story that ends and they all lived happily ever after. And that story has a storyline. And you and I are walking today in the midst of that unfolding narrative. And we have not yet arrived at the last page. But the author has already written the last page. So just because you and I are not yet living, you know, in the reality of the last page of the book, the author has already written the last page. And this is not a fairy tale, my friend, but it is a children's book. And you and I do well to read and receive it as the children for whom it's intended. What was your favorite story when you were a kid and who read it to you? Did they do all the voices? Can you hear 
Revelation 21, 4 today, in the voice of the Father, reading it to you, his precious child, I'm going to wipe away every tear from your eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All those things are gone forever, and you and I are going to live happily ever after. My husband Jim has um, read over time to every one of his six children every night. As long as they are in the house, they get read to by the father. Um, when they were little, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't around for um, the raising of the first group. But when they were little, every one of them heard the stories of Adam Raccoon. Um, he individually read to each one of the, them the entirety of the Chronicles of Narnia. When Benjamin was little, he also read to him Redwall. He's now reading that to Matthew. With Rebecca and Eliana, he also read Anne of Green Gables. Right now, he and Eliana are reading True Spirituality. She's not really a child anymore, but she's still her father's child. Our kids hear each and every one of those stories in their father's voice. And that changes the way that they remember them and trust what they're hearing. And so today, I want to invite you to hear the words of God the Father in the Father's voice. He knows the end from the beginning. He is the one who promises in himself that those who are in Christ shall live with him happily ever after. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. He has ensured through the cross that death will be no more. Because of his goodness and grace, sorrow and crying and pain will be no more. They will have no place in the kingdom of heaven. All these things will be done and they will be done forever. And forever we shall live with the one who is love and truth and holy and good. And it's all right there on the last page of the book. Because God knows the end from the beginning. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is the Faith Radio Network, and we're going to survey a number of headlines, both here at home and around the world. And as we do this, I want us to um, frame this conversation in a context. So the context um, is the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, um, because Jesus tells us in advance that we're going to hear headlines like the ones that we're going to talk about today. Jesus tells us in advance. He tells us he knows the end from the beginning, as we've already discussed. And he is so gracious to tell us that we're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. Um, And he tells us not to be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. He says nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And these are but the beginning of birth pains. We don't know how long the labor lasts, by the way. But delivery is coming. Deliverance is coming. Um, And so with that in mind, with Christ in mind, developing the mind of Christ um, as we survey these headlines, 
there are um, there are all kinds of internal battles being waged today in people's lives. And so the most important headline is the one that you care about most. Um, and that may be a headline that nobody else in the world is paying much attention to today. And I recognize that. So whatever battle is raging in your heart, your mind, your life, your family, your household, your community, your church, that's the war and rumor of war that is most likely to alarm you. Um, And so I want to speak grace today for those to whom today is going to be a really hard day because it's the anniversary of some sort of terrible thing. Maybe today's the anniversary of the day you lost a child or a spouse or your dad committed suicide. Maybe today is the anniversary of an accident or an act of violence that resulted in some loss that you're still living with today. Some trauma that still wakes you up in the middle of the night. If today is that kind of day for you, I'm going to speak grace over you. I want to place you intentionally in the, um, in the presence of the Father who can tend to those deep things. Um, there are wars raging in our homes here at home. There are wars raging um, in relationship to drugs. And so one headline related to that today, the, de, um, the DEA and the CDC have issued a public alert about um, a deadly drug, fentanyl, that has been made or is being made even deadlier. And so let me just say this. Um, If you have not had a conversation, a serious conversation with every young person you know, and when I say young person, I'm just, you know, I don't know, everybody under 50, like, right? If you've not had a conversation with people about experimenting with, taking, participating in any any kind of thing that they would put in their mouth that they don't know exactly what it is or where it came from. Um, you need to communicate that not only um, are the overwhelming number of illicit drugs in this country now cut with fentanyl, um, but they're now also being laced with trank. Um, and the DEA and the CDC are warning about it. Uh, uh, it's a it's a tranquilizer. It's a it's a sedative, um, and it's approved for use in in animals, large animals. But increasingly, drug dealers um, are mixing it with fentanyl because people who are becoming resistant to fentanyl and need more and more and more fentanyl to get high can't afford to keep going back to the street and getting it, and so they're adding trank to the drugs so that people will be suppressed in their ability to um, wake up and want more fentanyl. The problem is that um, Trank does not respond um, to naloxone, Narcan, and so it it doesn't respond when um, first responders try to administer a opioid-reversing agent. You don't wake up from Trank. And if you do wake up from a drug that you thought was something simple 
that was laced with fentanyl and therefore you overdosed, you don't even respond to the reversal drugs now because you've also been tranked. And so it puts users at a higher risk of dying from overdose. It also, if it doesn't kill you, eats your flesh. And you say to yourself, my God, what are we doing to ourselves? Yeah, that, my friends, is the question. We're going to um, try to process through some more headlines of the day. And I just got to tell you, like, for the first part of the conversation here, none of them are good. But let, let these headlines be um, that which provokes us to prayer and turns us toward people who would turn to drugs and let us turn to them and say, there is a better way. There is hope. There is a God in heaven who loves you. And I am standing right here right now to walk with you out of darkness into his glorious light. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Mornings with Carmen. You're listening to Faith Radio. So glad you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Bill Arnold. I would love for you to check out my podcast in the afternoons. It's called Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Spent the entire marketing budget coming up with that name. But we do scripture engagement and have lots of fun. Make sure you can check it out at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, let's be lifting up um, ardent prayers today for people in, uh, in the community in Denver where a young man, um, by his own hand, um, lost his life yesterday after attacking people at his school. Um, let's also be praying for the family of Corinna Woodhall. For those of you who live in the Twin Cities, this is probably a story that you're already familiar with um, today, but Corinna Woodall um, is a wonderful sister in Christ who had overcome addiction and depression, was actively serving um, in ministries related to addiction recovery. And while sitting uh, together at a Bible study on Tuesday, her husband um, stabbed her to death. She leaves behind five children and a grieving community of people who deeply, deeply loved her. Um, and so let's be let's be praying today for those five kids, and let's be praying today for whoever it is that's going to take them in and love them well and reassure them of that this that this world is um, is not as irredeemably broken as they have now already experienced. Let's be praying today um, for that church and the ministries that uh, Corinna was a part of, that they would experience um, healing and restoration as well. I want you also to be praying today for Irma Reyes. Irma Reyes is a mom who lives in Texas. And in 2017, um, she endured uh, a, a a waking nightmare um, that went on for a fairly long period of time. In 2017, her 16-year-old daughter disappeared. Um, And what Irma did not know um, while it was happening, but found out after law enforcement raided a hotel where her 16-year-old daughter and another girl were being um, sold over and over and over again um, to men who were... um, 
paying to have sex with them. Um, those men were arrested and um, they were charged with everything from unlawful imprisonment to sex trafficking, a minor um, to kidnapping. I mean, on and on and on the, the litany of things that they were accused of and credibly charged with. And everybody knew it. Um, the, the list is long. But the criminal justice system is currently so dysfunctional that um, the case never came to trial. And those two men were allowed to plead to a lesser offense of aggravated promotion of prostitution. They are not going to prison. They will be on, uh, on probation for seven years, and they will not be registered as sex offenders. Are you kidding me? That is not justice by any definition of the word. And so Irma Reyes' daughter, now 22, is, as you might imagine, on the run in fear for her life. And Irma Reyes is a mom who feels like now the nightmare isn't going to end. So pray for Irma Reyes today. Pray for her daughter. Pray for the other girl and her family. And pray for a reformation in the criminal justice system that actually results in justice. And yes, when Jesus says there are wars and you will hear of rumors of wars, those are going on as well. Um, A U.S. contractor was killed in northeast Syria yesterday after an Iranian drone struck a facility um, where he was working. The Pentagon announced this uh, yesterday evening. Um, So we have U.S. contractors working for U.S. Central Command. Um, which means they're working for the U.S. military, and they are working in Syria, um, and they are fighting against, there's no better way to say this, Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. Um, and so the retaliation that we we are taking as the United States of America against this loss of U.S. life in Syria um, is against Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. And you say to yourself, now, wait a second, this is taking place in Syria. Yeah, my friends, this is what you call a proxy war. When the United States, through contractors, is ultimately fighting against um, uh, Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps members in Syria, it's it's the, the fight's not it's not Syrian. So when you start talking about proxy wars at this point in um, world history, you got to look around at what's uh, what's taking place and you got to say, who's really fighting who and about what? We've been talking about a proxy war going on in Yemen for years. Um, So I want you to be praying today for the people of Syria because their country, um, the northeastern part of it, has been a battleground now for more than a decade. And the millions of people who fled their homes still can't go back. So let's be praying today for refugees around the world. Never been a time when there have been more refugees, people just physically and forcibly displaced. They cannot go back to where they were living. And they cannot go forward to very many places because nobody wants to take them. Like, and so you say today, does Carmen have any good news? Yeah, Carmen started with the good news. God wrote the end of the story from the beginning. But we're not at the end of the story yet. We're living in the midst of the unfolding drama. And so today, as you consider what's going on in the world, wars and rumors of wars internally in our homes, in our country and around the world, let's also consider God. 
Don't forget, as you are considering all of these very heavy headlines, to consider God. How can God be revealed in this? How can I see God through this? How will God get us to the other side of this? What happens to those who consider God as if he is not in the midst of this? So whatever you're considering today, be sure you consider God. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, there are a lot of hearings going on in Washington, D.C. this week. Um, One hearing that took place yesterday featured um, a conversation uh, before a committee of Congress yesterday with the CEO of TikTok. And his testimony comes as the White House is threatening a ban of the TikTok app. And you say to yourself, well, I don't have TikTok, uh, and so I'm not concerned about this. Well, I lift it up because 150 million active users every month in the United States of America. I, I got to tell you, I'm a little jealous of those numbers. I'm just going to go right ahead and say it. Um, would that 150 million people would download the Faith Radio app today? Like, right? 150 million people have TikTok and they're not, they don't just have it on their phones. They're actively using it every month. 150 million active users of this one app in the United States of America every month. Go ahead and download the Faith Radio app today. Text the word app to 877-933-2484. Because if they can ban TikTok, which I think we're headed in the direction of doing, I want you to consider what else they could ban. The Faith Radio app is not banned right now. And so why don't you get it for yourself and for others? It's free. All right. So um, we're going to... um. We're going to talk a little bit about um, what is happening in the world of social media. And I don't mean to make light of the TikTok issue. Um, Much is being made of it. And I do think that it is healthy um, to move away from those kinds of apps that draw us in in an addictive way um, and feed us content that is not healthy for our souls. This sort of falls into the be be careful little eyes what you see. There's a lot of junk out there, not only on the Internet, but there's a lot of junk in the app net, uh, in the social Internet. And so fill your feed today with things that um, righteously feed your soul. Um, Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Hey, Chris Martin's going to join us next. Terms of Service is his newsletter. The Wolf in Their Pockets is his latest book. Um, and we're going to um, we're going to talk about what what kids want adults to know. That's up next on Mornings with Carmen. Chris Martin is joining us. You ought to be subscribed to his Terms of Service newsletter on Substack, and you ought to be reading his latest book, The Wolf in Their Pockets. Chris, welcome back. Hey, thanks again for having me. All right. So the, the book's been out now long enough that you're getting feedback. 
Um, what, what are people saying? What are they asking? What are you excited about? It's been really positive. I've been really, uh, I've been really glad, you know, I never know how it's hard to, for an author to know how sales are doing. And I, if I, I could probably figure out if I press hard enough, but, um, but I've just been really happy with sort of the qualitative feedback I've I've been hearing a lot of really good things and, um, and pastors and parents alike are, are reaching out. And, um, I just saw actually this morning, it's back at number one on new releases in the, uh, in the category that it is on Amazon, which is just encouraging because, you know, it, as an author, your book comes out and you kind of figure a couple weeks later, people tend to forget about it. And so it's nice to know that it's still kind of top of people's minds and, and um, it's not, you know, it's, it's not done running its race or anything like that. Um, so yeah, it's, it, the, the feedback has been encouraging and I've heard um, a lot of really good things and, and yeah, I've just been encouraged by that. So. The Wolf in Their Pockets, 13 Ways the Social Internet Threatens the People You Lead. Um, You'll remember that um, this is the book that's really designed for parents and youth pastors and pastors, people who are shepherding and leading people, uh, leading other people. And, you know, we need to be able to talk with one another about um, how we're spending our time, where we're spending our time, and the incredible influence that the social internet has over our lives um, and we want to faithfully engage with it. So if you want equipping on that, The Wolf in Their Pockets by Chris Martin is a, is a great book. And you can go back and listen to our conversation specifically about the book when Chris was here a couple of weeks ago. Um, today, Chris, I'd love for you to unpack um, one of the things that you linked to um, through your um, Terms of Service newsletter. And that is this piece in the New York Times, what these 12 kids that uh, that they got, you know, did this little deep dive with what what these kids want adults to know. Can you just talk about this? Like you you talk about being gripped by this as a youth pastor. So um, I thought it'd be good for you to share with us what grips you here. Yeah. Yeah. So this is um, from The New York Times uh, earlier this week. They invited 12 kids ages 11 to 14 to tell them a few like moderators at the at the paper to tell them about things uh, like how life looks from their vantage point. Um, and the the journalists write over a couple hours, the participants in this focus group who live in states across the country, they're not just a bunch of New York teenagers, um, shared their views on school, family, recreation and their goals. They like in summary, you know, they like being kids that being an adult seems stressful, especially when it comes to paying bills. Um, they they appreciate and recognize that um, being a child uh, is good. Like they're not um, they're not all rushing to grow up, which I think around, around that age, it can, you can start to feel like, Oh, I just want to grow up. Cause I want this, this, you know, um, you know, I want to have this opportunity or I want to have this privilege to be able to stay up later or do this or do that. And so it was kind of, it was encouraging in part to see like, okay, these kids appreciate being kids. I thought that was, that was encouraging. However, there, there was a section, as you can imagine, I'm glad, I'm glad they asked these questions. Um, there's an entire section of the article, where the moderators, the the people who are asking the questions of these teenagers or, or preteens even, um, about their relationship with the internet, and I I'm not going to go through and read all of the <clears throat> all of the uh, different responses that they had, but I I think a couple of them are worth reading. So to the question uh, from one of the moderators, the the question was this: Why are you more talkative online? Because a number of them sort of uh, said in a previous answer to another question that was asked that um, they love being on the internet because they feel uh, they feel like they can be more social there than they do in offline spaces. They feel more talkative when they go on 
on the internet. And so they, she asked the follow-up question, why? Like, why are you more talkative online? And a couple of the, a couple of uh, maybe even a few of these responses felt almost chilling to me. Um, and so I'll read them first from Trinity, who's 12 year, a 12 year old girl. She said, I'm more myself when I'm online in school. I feel like you're just being watched by teachers. You can't do as much stuff as you would do at home with my friends, whether I'm FaceTiming them or playing them. Um, I feel like I'm a better person, a more fun person when I'm with them. Nate, mm. who's 14, just a couple years older, says online feels more peaceful and calming. You don't have to talk with anybody in person or do anything in person. You're just sitting in your on your bed or chair watching or doing something. And then Andrew, who's 11, Andrew's 11 years old, and he says this. When I'm online, I can mute myself, and they can't really see me. I, can, I can't just mute myself in real life. And I think, like... First of all, like I totally understand these perspectives, even though these kids are a solid 20 years younger than me in in most of their cases. um, I totally understand what they're saying. Having grown up a little bit online, you know, not with the Internet in my pocket, but certainly with it in my home and and using it as early as these kids are. um, I, I totally understand this sort of you get to mediate how much you share about yourself. And sometimes you get to share a lot and and want to share a lot. And sometimes you just want to mute yourself. And in life, you have a lot less control about how much you share about yourself, like in offline life. Um, and and let's, be, let's be clear. Again, you might be tempted to say, oh, well, in real life. No, I think if these answers from these kids communicate anything, it's that they view online life as real as offline life. So let's not go down this road where, oh, online life isn't real life, but what we do offline is real. These kids, based on their answers, it almost seems like they feel more real when they're online, which I think was the most chilling part of all of this for me, is that um, it's sad to me that these kids feel more comfortable online than they do offline. I don't think it's bad for kids to feel comfortable on the internet. I think they, they should to some degree. Um, but it, it is sort of sad and, and even chilling to me that um, they feel more comfortable being who they truly are on the internet than who they are off of the internet. And I think if, frankly, if a lot of us are honest, we feel that way more than we'd like to admit. I uh, I listened to a portion of a podcast um, earlier this week, and I say a portion because it 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 like you know in my experience blathered on for hours, and I was thinking who who would sit and listen to this for hours? But then you know people sit and listen to me talk for hours, so I don't know. Um, but there it was a twenty one year old woman, and she is in a uh, she is in a class that meets in person on a university campus and it's a Bible class. Um, but what she was talking about was how much more honest she is um, when the professor assigns, um, apparently, you know, you read something and then you post your reflection on it and other people in the class reflect on your reflection. Like apparently this is now an educate, a part of the educational process out there. That's not how I didn't experience that. Obviously, when I went to school, you know, you wrote a paper, you turned it in. The only person that read it was the professor. Now, everybody's sort of reading everybody else's uh, in in real time reflections. Um, And she talked about how much more honest she is 
in, on those than she is in class. And I thought to myself, well, that that sounds that sounds right. I do think people are more honest. There's something that feels more safe about communicating our thoughts, feelings, beliefs in an environment where like that person cannot physically out physically reach me. Is do you think that's part of it that there's like a sense of whether or not it's it's real, there is a sense that we are more safe doing what we do or saying what we say online than we would be in the physical presence of another person who might actually hurt us. Do you think, I mean, it, it, does that resonate with you? Yeah, totally, totally. And this is, and and it's not really new. The, like keyboard courage uh, ah, and keyboard. I'm writing that keyboard, down. Hold on. Keyboard yeah, courage. keyboard yeah, keyboard warriors have been a thing for a while. Um, and and you get people who um, who are a lot nastier, more forthright. Um, I would say reveal their true colors through a screen and a keyboard than they do in real life. And like, you know, there's so much made there. So I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day. Maybe it was for a, I've done so many darn podcasts for this uh, for this book <laughs> that I forget who who I've said to who what I've said to who. But um but I was like, you know, there's this there's so much made about like the curated self on social media, right? Like, oh, Instagram is just all the highlights of our life. It's not the real the realness of our life, et cetera. And that's just true. That's I'm not saying that's false. But I think also there's another side of that where when we're in person with people, we do we often do a lot more curating of ourselves than we do when we're online. And when we may 100%. be posting when when we may be posting and we think someone's people aren't watching and so i think i think there are some asps some i think and there's just different arenas on social media some that are more performative and curated and some that are more raw than even offline life and so i think i think well yeah sometimes social media is performative and we only show the good parts i also think our relationship with social media has even led us to be more real um and more raw than we are in our offline lives where we, you know, you go to a dinner party with somebody and, you know, for work or some meeting or something, you're going to, you're going to gatekeep your, you're going to filter yourself more than you would maybe than if you're posting in the comment section on a friend's Facebook post. And so I think, I think there's curation of our, of our minds and ourselves, our personalities that happen both on and offline. And so, and, and I do think that uh, there is a sort of courage that's, imbued by the keyboard uh that allows us to maybe speak our minds more freely than than we would if we are having to look someone in the eye and be reminded that what we're saying like what we're saying and who we're saying it to is a real person made in the image of god and it's so easy to forget that when we're on the other side of a screen that it's easier to be more cruel or more blunt and and that sort of fear that comes with addressing another person can be washed away Mm. All right, um, Chris, I'm going to have you help us um, look at things that are going on on the social internet now. We're going to talk um, with Chris in just a moment about the future of search. You can you can read the content of what Chris and I are talking about if you get his Terms of Service newsletter, um, and you can get that um, at termsofservice.social. Or, you know, you can Google Chris Martin, and then you'll find his uh, his newest book, The Wolf in Their Pockets, And you'll find uh, everything else he's up to and his social medias and whatnot. We're going to continue our conversation with Chris Martin in just a moment. What is the future of search? 
I mean, you know, is my Googler not going to be enough anymore? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Chris Martin, um, you can find him online and follow his um, Terms of Service content at termsofservice.social. Chris, let's talk about um, one of the posts there. We're going to talk about the future of search. Um, is is my Googler machine, is that not going to be enough anymore? It'll depend on what you're looking for um, and m- maybe more specifically how you want it to be delivered to you. Um, yeah, there's a great article in a newsletter I read called Dirt uh, that just covers online culture and both from a sort of sociological side and a technical side. And, and this was an article about how search is changing. And we've seen search changing for a little while, you know, for um, I don't want to get too technical because this conversation get technical pretty quickly. But Google has dominated the search engine game virtually since they entered it. Um, you know, they had some competition with Yahoo or Ask Jeeves and other such search engines pretty early, um, but they pulled away quickly and um, they built their giant business off of Google AdWords um, and uh, which allows, you know, advertisers or, or owners of websites to pay a certain amount of money, usually pennies or or dimes per click to get to the top of that search feed. Um, so that when you you know Google new shoes, you get you get uh, these companies that have paid to appear at the top, and that's that's how their business began and and really ran for a long time, and they still make a ton of money through that. Um, but now uh, people are truly, I mean, multiple. If I was at Google, I'd be a little nervous. Um, I'd be I'd be pretty nervous for the future of our search business because they are getting attacked from multiple sides in terms of just having actual competition for the first time uh, since they became the dominant search engine on the internet. And really, I mean, Google is the most popular website on the internet. So, and it's, and the second most popular website on the internet is YouTube, which is owned by Google alphabet. The They're part of the same company. Um, and so for the first time, they're being truly, truly challenged. And really the two most, um, prevalent challenges for them are two very different organizations and two very two very different approaches to search i guess you could say um one is uh tiktok um which is a whole other conversation given that it may be gone by the summer in the u.s um but tiktok is becoming a search engine platform especially for the young you people who are the power users of the platform. So without getting again to without getting too technical on any given TikTok video, you will see the most common search that people make after they watch that video. So like say some TikToker who's maybe like a lawyer, right, is talking about some famous legal case that's going on or may, to get meta about this, you know, maybe a famous 
there's a TikToker who's also a lawyer but makes TikTok content, and they're talking about what are the legal ramifications of like how how might the U.S. government ban TikTok? And so they're talking, and then but people want to be like people want to learn more about the TikTok uh, CEO presenting before Congress, and so they'll search within TikTok TikTok CEO. Uh, before Congress or whatever, and going from that video where the where the lawyer is kind of giving his or her opinion, and then go maybe they want to watch an actual clip from the testimony before Congress, and then TikTok will serve up thousands, if not millions, of search results of clips that are relevant to what they're looking for, and so it's a sort of, if you will, like video search engine that's incredibly powerful and is tied to the currently the hottest social media platform in the world. And so among young people, TikTok is becoming, and what you're getting when you search on TikTok often is you're getting a real person uh, like whose face you can see, or at least voice you can hear delivering you the information that you're searching for within TikTok. And so it's a more personal and therefore in the eyes of some feels like a more trustworthy experience. It feels less sterile and less robotic or less technological. But then on the other side, to to speak quickly on this, you have Chat GPT and and GPT four specifically, which I've been tinkering with for the last couple of weeks, and is an incredibly powerful AI tool. That you know, when you Google today, give me a recipe for chocolate chip cookies, you're going to get a bunch of links to twelve different chocolate chip cookie recipes that you have to pick which one you want. If you were to type into GPT four, give me a recipe for chocolate chip cookies, it's just going to give you one that you can just take and go and make your chocolate chip cookies. Now, that may you may or may not like that because you may like seeing a bunch of different options uh, in Google and saying like, oh, I like this one instead because they may come with images. Uh, and of course, in chat GPT, you could just say, actually, can you give me a different one that includes brown sugar or something like that where you can ask for a modification of the Oh, yes, of course, here's one that includes this ingredient. Um, but it, it's getting getting results like that is more direct and maybe faster um, but it does take away that that sense of choice or like it takes away your opportunity to troll around and browse around and click on what you want. So it, it's an interesting situation we have going on in search. And it's I think all of these things other than, you know, TikTok's ramifications with being banned, you know, those things aside, I think I don't think Google's going away. So don't hear me saying like Google's going to be replaced by something. I, I think there will always be a place for Google as it currently exists. Um, and their AI was debuted this week, their competitor to chat GPT and is, um, how should I say, less than impressive, <laughs> um, but especially compared to chat GPT. But I think there will be a place for all of these to some degree. And it'll just be a matter of how how quickly do you want to find what you're looking for? And do you want to be served up a tray of options, a la what, what Google does? Or do you just want your answer as quickly and directly as possible. And then you might have to go verify that the answer you got is actually true, which is maybe also been proven to be a problem with ChatGPT. So that's kind of the stage of search. I actually deal with search engine stuff like in my daily job every single day. So this mm. kind of thing I'm studying pretty regularly and it's definitely top of mind for me. Okay. Um, Chat GPT, I feel like when nobody knew about it, I could pop on there and, you know, goof around. Um I, I I never get on anymore. And and chat GPT four looks like you have to pay for it. Yep, you have to pay am, for am it. Am I just or doing it wrong? Or be waitlisted. No, no, you mm, that's okay. you have to pay for that's, it or be waitlisted. So yeah. yeah. I'm not doing that. Okay. There you go. I'm just gonna write my own stuff and research my own way. So uh yeah. I mean eventually I might have to, but there you go. Um, Chris, as always, it's a um 
it's like an intellectual feast to get to talk with you. So thank you so much for what you do every day. And thank you for helping uh, each one of us and all of us navigate around. Um, like, I feel like we know before it comes out, uh, you know, in, in sort of mainstream media, like, I feel like you told us way in advance to get our kids to, you know, turn off their location uh, on, on uh, uh, oh gosh, Snapchat and like other things. Like you told us those things. And then like a couple of weeks later, like everybody's talking about it. So I appreciate um, you giving, you leading us in and leading us so well in this area. Of course. Thank you. Yeah, so good. That's uh, Chris Martin. You can find him at Moody Publishers. You can also find him um, through his brand new book, The Wolf in Their Pockets. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. You got something to say if you're living, if you're breathing. Oh, thank you so much for your encouraging, um, encouraging words uh, on the text line this morning. I'm praying for you today. I appreciate that you're praying for me. I appreciate that you are lifting up the challenges um, that you're facing, not only in your own life, but um, the challenges that others in your life are facing as well. Let's be people of prayer today um, as we consider what's happening in the world and in our own lives, in our own homes, in our own communities. Um, let us not fail to consider God. Like let, let us be reminded that he has written the end from the beginning um, that the last page of the book is one that you can turn to and read, and 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 from it you can garner hope that is real and substantial and operative right now. I can operate out of today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day from Revelation twenty one four, not only as a few future hope and promise, but as the reality that God has written as the end of the story. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow, or crying, or pain. All those things will be gone forever. And forever and ever, I will live as a child of God in the presence of the Father, happily, ever after. If that's not your reality, then I'm going to invite you to come to Jesus today because he's the one who makes that way possible and gives you hope in the meantime. we got another hour up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.